0: Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some current headlines, including the one-day rookie minicamp. We're going to review the Bengals schedule for 2021. And friend of the show, Dean Halpin, is going to come by for a conversation about the team.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals headlines.
1: All right, it's beginning. We had the one-day rookie camp, so we're starting to hit the field. The veterans are going to be in on May 24th. Before you know it, it's all going to be coming around. We're going to have Bengals football again. I cannot wait. Some observations from rookie camp jamar chase has that it factor you know one thing that i like that he said is that the nfl hash marks are different than the college hash marks so he's got a little more space to work with and i like the fact that he's analyzing the game that deeply and on that level i mean i'm really feeling that this guy is a can't miss i cannot wait to see him catching passes from joe burrow and they said chris evans was impressing at minicam too with his hands and you know coming out of the backfield and that's why they drafted him So if his blocking can hold up and he shows that he's going to be a guy catching the ball with his hands and running good routes and being elusive, he has a very good chance at cracking the roster, maybe getting some playing time this year. Joseph Asai, the biggest thing that I heard was his sister gave him some motivational quotes, and we may have another spokesperson on our hands here. Here's a couple things that she said. Quote number one, will it be easy? Nope. Worth it? Absolutely. The next one, the biggest source of motivation is your own thoughts. So think big and motivate yourself to win. Gotta love it. So Joseph Asai, if your play on the field is as good as your sister's words and philosophies, we got ourselves a star here. So keep them coming and looking forward to seeing you in action, my friend. Jackson Carmen. they said that he's bulking up a little bit. He's starting to really focus on guard and his stance and his leverage and, you know, where a guard fits in. You're not just by yourself on the outside. You're in between you know a lot of players in the mix there, so he's getting that into his mindset. He's watching a lot of Quentin Nelson film, and you can't go wrong watching film on that guy. He's absolutely the best in the business. So really good job on Jackson Carmen's part, and I'm hoping that he can contribute right away, because they're going to be expecting him to win that right guard job. And then they had the undrafted rookies on the jugs machine, seeing who was A possibility for punt returns and that's always fun you know I've been to a few training camps of the Bengals and one of the most memorable moments at those training camps was watching Adam Jones and he had a ball in his right hand and a ball in his left hand and they were popping that jugs machine you know I don't know 30 yards in the air and he was catching the third ball while holding the balls and I heard that they did that with these guys too so you know brought back some memories of a very great Bengal there And Darren Simmons also had another drill where he had all four of them kind of run around in a circle as the ball was in the air, and then he called their name, and then, you know, whoever's name was called had to field the punt. So pretty creative stuff, and out of this, hopefully, you know, we'll have another punt returner to compete with Darius Phillips. So they signed eight undrafted rookie free agents, and rather than go through each of the names and their accolades, let's, again, review the positions. We did a little bit of this last time. They have the punter from Ohio State, a linebacker, a wide receiver, a corner coming off a back injury. So we'll see what happens there. Two tight ends. It was a position they were a little thin at. They didn't draft one, so you might as well bring in a couple. A running back and a quarterback. And again, the quarterback is always useful to have another camp arm and save the other guy's reps. And you just never know what you can get out of these guys. And when it comes to undrafteds, I was doing a little bit of thinking about it. And there's certain positions that you should focus on with your undrafteds and other positions that maybe it's a long shot to get a successful player there. So positions... Out of the undrafteds that are long shots, probably not going to get a quarterback there. I know Tony Romo. Again, with all these, we can give examples of exceptions to this without a doubt. But for the most part, you're not going to get a quarterback. You're probably not going to get a marquee-wide receiver. You know, we had Alex Erickson, very productive, and you can you know, maybe find a guy to fit into the rotation, but it's doubtful that you're going to get a number one or a number two receiver as an undrafted free agent. Other positions, offensive line, especially the tackle positions. Defensive line especially the defensive end positions and cover corner I I don't think you're going to get a successful cover corner undrafted if you guys know of any out there shout out the name but I haven't really seen too many so those are the positions that maybe you stay away from and you stock up on other positions and the positions that you can get undrafted linebacker you know think about it Vontez Perfect Vinnie Ray two examples of linebackers that were very successful for us that were undrafted you know you can get a punter a kicker as I said before, a running back, definitely someone you can get there. Maybe even a safety, but as far as the other positions, you're not really looking at getting a marquee player there. And me personally, I think I would just pick up those non-marquee positions as undrafted. I wouldn't even worry about a wide receiver or an offensive tackle or a corner. You know, tight ends, another good one. You know, get your tight ends, get your linebackers, you know, maybe pick up a receiver, get your special teamers. If you're going to pick up a corner... It's got to be a guy who plays special teams more so than a cover guy. But either way, that's my philosophy on these undrafts. is there's eight new ones. Hopefully one of them sticks on the roster. I wish them all luck because they're Cincinnati Bengals right now. So, you know, we're rooting for all of our guys. So they announced the Bengals' preseason schedule, and it's going to be at Tampa Bay. And don't worry, you're not going to see Burrow or Brady in that game. You know, it's going to be strictly a game for the backup players and the rookies to try to win starting positions and, you know, for the coaches to test out scheme and game management and stuff like that. Game 2, which I assume is going to be like the old Game 3 of the preseason where you play a lot of your starters. Maybe they play the first quarter or the first half. But I don't think we're going to see Burrow against Washington either. I mean, that brings back bad memories. And I do not want to see Joe Burrow against that front four in a preseason game while we have a line that's still trying to gel. If anything, Game 3 is against Miami, and it's a nationally televised game. You know, maybe you do get Burrow versus Tua for a series or two. And I wouldn't mind seeing that. Because if Joe Burrow is going to start week one, you have to get him a little bit of experience in in a game situation. And, you know, maybe a series or two against Miami might help. It's a national game. Bring a little recognition to the team. You know, get Joe's legs underneath him, so to speak. In all these games, you don't want to see the starters play too much because there's just too much to lose. And last year, we didn't have a preseason, and, you know, it seemed like everybody was pretty much fine week one. So we'll see how the preseason develops. Either way, come August, we're going to start having some Bengal games, preseason or not, and I just can't wait. And lastly, as I said earlier, May 24th, the veterans can report for voluntaries. You know, the Players Association's battling the NFL. I don't know what the attendance is going to be for that. But starting May 24th, you could see some of our old regulars on the field. You know, Boyd, Bell, Bates, all the bees. You know, it, it'll be exciting. So, you know, we'll see what happens on the 24th. Either way, I'm looking forward to it.
0: The Cincinnati Bengals 2021 schedule.
1: All right, the schedule is out. I, I could not wait to watch the schedule release on the NFL Network. And to be honest with you, the show was a little bit of a sleeper. But either way, we got to see who the Bengals are playing, start making the plans for the year. You know, we start making our crazy predictions now. You know, you can never really tell, but it's always fun to look at what's ahead of us in the order and where and when, you know, and kind of see how the season's going to pan out. So what I like to do is I like to review the season in four sections. So we're going to do that in just a moment, but let's make some observations in general about the schedule. So first off, fourteen one o'clock games. And I've told you guys, I love that 1 o'clock on Sunday Bengal game. I hate the 4 o'clocks because you're a little burnt from watching the 1s. Can't get excited for it. Prime times are fun too, but then you have a Sunday where you're not watching the Bengals. And I don't know, just in my opinion, I love the 1 o'clock games. And the fact that 14 out of 17 are 1 o'clock on a Sunday, you can set your watch by that. You know where I'm going to be. They have the Week 10 by. We always seem to get lucky having it somewhere at the midway point. And in this case, it's going to be 9 games played and then a bye, and then eight more games. So it's almost the perfect time to have the bye, really just right dead in the middle of the season. We have our first game at home, and we know that's been a battle with the NFL for a long time. Whether We had a streak of like seven straight road games. I know the last couple years we had a couple start off at home, but uh, hey, home game to start this year. It'll be good. Everyone's nice and comfortable in that first game. The rookies will be a little more comfortable at home than on the road for their first NFL game. So that's another plus on our schedule. Now, as far as some of the road games, we have five road games in the first eight weeks. That's tough on a young team. We'll go over those road games. Not all of them are extremely tough games, but any road game puts you at the disadvantage. But with the five in the first eight weeks, now you take those last ten weeks, and that includes the bye and you know the rest of the nine games. We only have three road games there. So if we can... Stay above water on those first eight games. We have a lot of home games to close out the season. So that could be very good for us. If we end up being a good team and having momentum, that's going to be monumental playing at home all those weeks as the season is coming to an end and, you know, we're fighting for playoff positions. Then you have those three straight road games at one point. Lions, Ravens, Jets. Not fun to be on the road for three straight weeks, but none of them are really far road trips. And let's be honest, we don't know what's going to happen with the Ravens, but the other two games are very winnable. So even though it's three straight road games, it could be a lot worse. And then we have a stretch of three straight home games, and these are three teams that you want to see at home, the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Niners. You know, The last thing you want to do is be going out and facing the Niners in San Francisco or another West Coast trip for L.A. So to have these three teams straight at home, not a bad deal for us. And last year's schedule, we didn't really have much travel. Everything was really close. It, was, it worked out that way. This year, same thing. It's pretty close. Like, it's, it's Cincinnati's geography. You know, we're close to the East Coast. We're close to the, the Central, you know, like your even your Kansas Cities and your Chicagos, your Minnesotas. N- nothing's that far. But we do have those two long road trips, one to Las Vegas and one to Denver. Both of those teams aren't killer, but traveling out to different time zones, you know, Las Vegas is a big distraction. Don't, you know, don't think that it's not. It just in itself, the city and the road trip, and that team is pretty decent at home. And then Denver, you have the whole thing with the altitude. You know, Denver's not looking like a powerhouse right now, but again, you're out of your time zone, a road trip, high altitude. So those two games could bring us trouble against teams that, you know, we have a good chance against. And then the last five games of the schedule are killer. That's the only thing. We're really going to have to set ourselves up well in those first 12 games because the last five, there's you know there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of tough ones in there, and we'll go over that in just a minute. The other fun thing is Joe Burrow is going to get to score off against a bunch of young quarterbacks and most of the highly drafted ones of the last two years, if you think about it. So we don't know if Dalton or Fields is going to win the job for Chicago. Let's say that Fields eventually does get it. We could be facing Justin Fields. We have Trevor Lawrence. We have Zach Wilson for the Jets, Justin Herbert. That'll be Joe Burrow's chance to say, hey, you know, I was the rookie of the year, not you. Um, You never know if we're going to have Jordan Love in there if Rodgers doesn't play. Trey Lance, you know, that's week 14. You know, they're saying that Garoppolo is going to be starting, but, you know, anything could happen by week 14. So we very well could be seeing Trey Lance as well. And then you have Tua in the preseason, too. So, you know, that's pretty cool that we're going to be facing all of these guys that are highly drafted. It's good battles for Burrow. And again, it's guys with not a lot of experience in the NFL, too. I'd rather see the guys on this list than, you know, your Tom Brady's and your Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so now let's break down the schedule. We're going to break it down into four sections. And remember, it's only May. You just don't know how things are going to pan out, right? You can say you look at the schedule now and be like, oh, well, that's a win. That's a loss. But then maybe the team that you're thinking you're gonna be is like two and nine by the time you play him. You just never know what's gonna happen. Like week one, you know we have Kirk Cousins starting for for the Vikings. What if something happens to him? We're fe- we're facing Kellen Mond, so anything can happen. You know we're gonna make our predictions now just for fun, but you really don't know until the bullets start flying. The season starts, injuries happen, rookies start shining, coaches start either really performing well or not scheming well, you know, there's so much that can happen. But either way, let's have some fun and quickly review the Bengals' schedule with our thoughts on it. So first four games, home against the Vikings, at Bears, at Steelers, home against the Jaguars. And that's a primetime game as well. We're going to have that Lawrence-Burrow matchup. It's going to be great. So what do you expect out of these games You know, the Bears are a little bit down. We don't know what we're going to get with the Steelers. It is at Pittsburgh. That's going to be a very tough one. The Vikings are kind of a middle-of-the-road team, but they're a team that's going to test your pass defense, so we don't know quite how that's going to pan out. And then we'll see how we fare against Trevor Lawrence as well. You know, if he comes out of the gate like Burrow, it's going to be trouble. If he comes out of the gate struggling a little bit, you know, that game is a little bit more winnable. So in these first four, because the last stretch of the season is so tough, those last five, you know, we want to go at least two and two here. It would be really nice to go three and one. You know, two and two, three and one is my prediction for these first four. I mean, let's hope they go four and oh, let's be real. But, you know, realistically, if you can grab two wins out of these first four, we're not in bad shape. Second set of four games, another tough stretch. You have the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers is playing, they're one team. If Jordan Love is playing, they're another team. So, That's at home, which is in our favor. If that's an Aaron Rodgers start, you know, that's going to be a tough one to win. And then you have those three road games right in a row. Detroit, which is rebuilding. At Ravens, who are considered the cream of the crop in our division, you know, we'll see how that plays out too. And then at Jets, who are also rebuilding. So in that stretch, again, you want to take at least two. And you have a shot at three. You know, two and two sounds like a decent estimate. Three and one if Rodgers doesn't play, you know. You know, basically the same thing as the first four. You want to go at least 500 in the stretch. All right, so the third and fourth quarters of this season are both five week periods because in the third quarter we have the bye. So we have the Browns at home, then the bye, then out to the West Coast to face Las Vegas, then home against the Steelers, home against the Chargers. That's a tough stretch, too. I, I can't, you know, when I was looking at the schedule when it first came out, before they announced the times and dates and all that stuff. I thought we had a pretty easy schedule. And when I look at it, the way it plays out in these four-game stretches, there's not an easy stretch in the bunch. So the Browns are going to be tough. I mean, at home, it gives us a better shot. Raiders, again, a middle-of-the-road team, but you have that long road trip. Steelers at home, I mean, you know, hopefully that's a struggling Ben Roethlisberger or Mason Rudolph in there. We don't know what we're going to get out of them either. As I say every year, I always think that the Steelers are going to be struggling to hit 500. And they always seem to get double-digit wins, no matter who's playing, no matter what's going on. A lot of it is a credit to their organization. And, uh, you know, you know how I feel about the Steelers, so I don't want to be giving them too much praise. But tough game, whether you're home or away against them. And the Chargers, you know, they're a team that's on the rise. That's going to be a nice shootout. And, again, we're going to see that Burrow-Herbert matchup, which I just I just want to see Burrow outshine him Because I, that was Joe's award last year. I, I know I've been saying it over and over again, but, man, that was Joe's award. So in that stretch, another stretch, what do you think? 2 and 2? Two? 2 and 2 would be good. 3 and 1 if we if we're really coming together and gelling, and all this is going to depend on how we do as a team. If we're the same team as we were last year, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to win 9-10 games. This is the hope that Joe plays at least as well as he did last year. So that assumes that he's going to be healthy enough. And if he plays Just like he did last year, that's gonna be enough to give us a winning record and push for the playoffs. But the other two factors are, and we don't know how they're gonna play out yet, the offensive line. The offensive line has to be better than it was last year, period. It doesn't have to be a top five offensive line, but it has to be better than last year. And then the defense. The defense, we injected a lot of players last year, we're injecting a lot of players this year. It's gotta come together. So that's the three keys to success for this season and getting through the schedule alive. Joe playing as good as he did last year, the offensive line playing better than they did last year, and the defense playing better as a whole than they did last year. Let's see that defense that played against the Steelers. We take that mentality into this year, and we're going to be a good team, period. All right, so that takes care of that third stretch. So now, really, we're looking at 2-2, two and 2-2, two, two and 2-2 two, two and two on all three of these quarters, unless we turn out to be better than I thought, and we pull a 3-1 one in one of them. So at this point, we're looking at being like roughly a 500 team going into that last five week stretch and this is where you're going to separate the playoff team from the non-playoff team if we're 500 going into the stretch here's the five games home against the Niners the Niners are projected to be a really good team this year tough game at Denver Bridgewater Locke whoever's playing for them it's going to be a tough game because you're out in that high altitude out of your time zone as we talked about earlier Home against the Ravens, a tough game any way you slice it. Home against the Chiefs, another tough game no matter how you slice it. And then at Cleveland, another tough game. On paper, you know, you're you're looking at, I hate to say it, but you're looking at maybe 1-4, 2-3 and, four, two and three here, and that's not good enough to make the playoffs. That's scenario one. That's if we're the Cincinnati team of last year or a team that's only moderately improved from last year. But if we're the team that I want to be, and Joe's doing it right. Chase is used to the NFL. The line proves functional. The pass rush improves. I, I know, I'm saying so many factors. But if we're the team that we want to be, we go into these last five games, we win three, we win four of them, we, we, we go in, we, we beat the Chiefs at home. I know I'm talking crazy, but if we want to be a playoff team, we're going to dictate that in the last five games of the year. So there it is. Two and two, two and two, two and two. And then last five, you call it. Let's see what happens. We control our own destiny, as I always say. You're all NFL players. We have good schemes. We have good players. We have good fans. A lot of those games at the end are at home. Anything can happen. I'm crossing my fingers. Again, this is all out the window as soon as the season starts because we don't know about injuries, etc., like I said before. But as of now... You know, we're going to have to play really well to make the playoffs. I know that's pretty much common sense, but, you know, going through the schedule, we see why.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast would like to welcome, from the United States Coast Guard, Dean Halpin.
1: All right, we're here with a great friend of the show, a member of the U.S. Coast Guard, a Bengals fan extraordinaire, Dean Halpin. How are you today, my friend?
0: Hey, Frank. How you doing?
1: All nice right, nice to talk to you again. I know. It's been so long. And you know what? It's been, I don't know, maybe nine months, ten months since we spoke last. So with yeah. that said, how, you, how do you feel about last season?
0: Uh, last season was just a lot, of, um, a lot of emotions. You know, I mean, from the beginning to the end, you know, beginning with Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Burrow week one, you know, that hype leading up to it it was just great. You know, I mean, I was, I was living, I was living on the hype, Joe Burrow. I mean, obviously we know how like, we know how the first game turned out, you know, but as the season went on, we, we can just, even though we, I know we lost a lot of games you can see the progression just from each game. And I, I, I felt like by the end of the year, I mean, I was very, uh, even though the record wasn't very pleasing, you know, I was pleased myself with just the performance of some of our players, you know, I mean, it was just, it was great to see Burrow having a great year, obviously besides that, um, his little ACL injury, you know, that was obviously devastating, but I mean, just so many players had great, just had a great year, you know, I mean, I was a uh, very pleased, even though the record wasn't there, you know, I was just surprisingly pleased, you know, the year, so.
1: Yeah, Dean, I'm in the same boat too, and it was like that coming into the season, you were like, alright, Burrow has all this hype around him, he won the national yeah. championship, there, you know, you saw the, the tape on him. It was phenomenal, and the, the decision-making, the accuracy. But you just didn't know how it was going to translate to the NFL. And I agree with you. That Chargers, the first game, it, he was a little rocky in the first half. And then you kind of saw the light go on in the second half. And then it was yep. this constant progression. And it was like, wow, I think we got our franchise quarterback.
0: Yeah, we knew it from game one. I mean, just his poise in the pocket, you know, that, that final drive when he was just driving in that field uh to for potentially that game-winning uh, touchdown, which I think he should have had, you know, I think it was a, I think it was a push off by AJ, but I think it was like a, a weak call. But that that drive, just Burrow, just he had it, and we knew he had it too. And just from that season on, we knew Burrow was the guy.
1: Yeah, and then he, he started putting up a whole bunch of yards. You know, we're, we're scoring like thirty points a game for a while. You know, a couple moments. I know prior to being on the air, we were talking about the Browns game at the end where we, he he came back to lead us. You know, ahead of the Browns with that little pass to Gio Bernard. Oh, that was clutch. I was know. Super clutch. I know. I know. And then, what, we give them the ball with like a minute something left, and Mayfield drives them down.
0: <laughs> with two passes, Baker's already in the red zone. We're like, what the? Just happened. I know. Without... I, I, I felt
1: we gave him too much time at the end. I don't know. It was just feeling like that as it was happening.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I wish that game would have turned the other way, man. That was a that was just besides. I I know I'm me being a biased Bengals fan. You know, I was I was obviously devastated. You know, but that as an NFL fan, that was a fantastic game. Just if you were just a regular NFL fan watching, that was a phenomenal game. You know,
1: hundred percent. And they show that on NFL Network as like, oh, game of the week from 2020 season, and you know that's like in their rotation for game of the week. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, especially two Ohio teams battling like that, and two young quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, two number one overall picks going at it. You know, it was just the hype was there for them. The, I mean, obviously the defense, both the defenses were not there. But like the, I mean, everyone loves to see a shoot a shootout. You know, personally, like some people love. I, I like I like seeing shootouts more than you know those defensive battles. But some people like like some people like those ten to thirteen kind of <laughs> games. You know, those thirteen ten kind of like close defensive games, you
1: know. They both have their place. Like, and in baseball, some people like the one nothing pitcher's duels, you know, but yeah. I, I'd rather see the 9-7 the home run fest. And same 100%. thing, obviously, same thing with, with Bengals games. I, I like to see a lot of points being scored. Um, You know, I, I want to touch on more of last season, but really, I think the biggest game of the season, the most exciting game of the season, and we never got a chance to talk about it, was was the game against the Steelers.
0: Oh, man. One of the absolute thriller that was that was insane insane man i can't even express how just i mean i wouldn't say actually i wouldn't say it was a thriller because i mean we did have we had a great game don't get me wrong you know but it wasn't like a shootout or anything i think we've had we had them since the first quarter you know i think we outplayed them um overall and almost i'm not gonna talk about the juju hit yet uh i'll 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 come back to that one all right Um, all right I think Giovanni Bernard had a great game that, that people like weren't talking about, you know. I mean, just so explosive Gio was that game. You know, I am I'm, I'm I'm, I miss him a lot. It's and it's a, Dean, it's a shame they didn't...
1: it's a shame. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's a shame they didn't re-sign him. You, you know, you could have brought him back for four mil. I know it's a lot of money yeah. for a running back, but, I mean, didn't he prove his worth last year filling in for Mixon with almost no drop-off at the running back position?
0: It was insane. It was incredible. And I, I think you could argue with saying that I love Mixon, he's a stud. But Geo, if you want Geo, I think had a better year statistically. I don't know. I, I think as a Bengals fan, I was more comfortable to see Geo in there rather than Mixon. If that, I, I know that's that's a little controversial. But personally, when I saw Geo in there, I felt really comfortable. You know, he's a fantastic pass blocker. Mixon is too. But I just when Geo was in there, especially towards the end of the year, I think just Gio seemed to have it, and like he was, he was just seemed so comfortable. You could. He's explosive. You know, the fans love him. You know, He's just I was just so happy to see him in there because you know a good thing would happen. He's got, like, a good vibe to him.
1: You 100%. Know? Yeah, he's and when he's it. on the field, we definitely had the confidence yeah. that he was going to make the blocks or yeah. make the big plays or hold on to the ball. Obviously, he had that long streak without fumbling until that one fumble. But um, I don't want to cut you off. Go. Let's go back to that Steelers game. So, yes, Bernard was having a, a good game. Here we are, Steelers, prime time. Let's go.
0: So i so it was the night the night before um, I went underway for for the next two months. It was the night before it was December. I think it was what was it, like 20, 20th, I think December twentieth. I was um I was at a uh, I was at a party with one of my friends, a Ravens fan, and um, we were all like the youngest there. You know, we didn't really know anyone at that point. You know, because we're still kind of new. And the game's on. The Bengals game's on. And we were watching the game, you know. I mean, we 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 were both excited. I mean, he's a Ravens fan, but he he, he was, of course rooting for the Bengals, you know. And we were just watching the game, and we we, we were we were of course getting excited throughout the game. Then the uh, then when Von Bell laid laid Juju out, my God! I mean, you it, it was so I can't even. It was like a it was like life was like. I don't even know where I was at that moment. It was just, I was going insane. I mean, I was throwing like glass and I kind of, like, I thought I was going to in trouble like by my command. And I was throwing <laughs> glass like across the house and I'm like, I'm going insane. Cause I get really like, I get like insanely hyped up when it comes like if the Bengals make like an insane play, like I'll go, I'll go like berserk. I am the know? same
1: way. I am the same way man
0: same like it's not even it's not even like just excitement it's like it's like the world is like above me you know like the <laughs> world I'm just like not even in this planet anymore like when so when that happened you know I was running out of the house I was going insane you know I, I, I hate Juju Smith you know I, I
1: hate the guy he is my and, most hated nfl player after that vontez perfect hit i don't know ever since then and the standing over and then the week after them mocking him with the end zone oh, celebration my god
0: with the, the celebration just pure class just classless you know? I know like and then when and when and then juju was like walking off like kind of upset I was, just, like, I was just like screaming at the tv you know like you know like just going insane and all these others like all these other like 30, 40-year-old guys that have been there for a while just laughing. They were just, they were, they were just, it was just a fun moment, you know, it was just, my God, I, I wish I could go back to that moment. It was just, uh, I can't even like express into words like how excited I was at that moment. It was no, insane.
1: It, it was literally the highlight of last year i i've oh, sure. even reached out to von bell and said you know thank you for that you don't even understand what you did for us
0: <laughs> yeah. it, it, see, it, i wouldn't say it didn't save our seasons our season was already over at that point but like it was a it, it was like you said it was the highlight i mean that was that was our season right there i mean you, you turn on, you, you look back at joe burrow's rookie year you obviously go to all the burrow rookie highlights and then that one highlight that's sitting right smack down in the middle was that juju highlight I mean, I just, oh my God, I can't even express how happy I was at that moment. My God, I was going insane.
1: Yeah, really yeah. the definition of poetic justice. All right, you know what? So let's yeah. move on to the present. So what are your thoughts on what the Bengals have done this offseason?
0: I was very, it was almost like kind of like the year before with the Bengals. I was very impressed with the free agency signings that we did, especially with the defensive back signings, you know, like Chidobe woozy from Dallas, you know. He's, a, he's not he's not a stud by any means you know he's not an elite corner but he's a very very solid if you look at his tape as well coming in you know I, i'd say he's about maybe just a little bit talent wise i'd say he's not at william jackson's level but he's definitely very close i, I think william jackson i actually I, I was never a fan like a huge fan of william jackson but he had, the talent was there it was great man coverage very good in man coverage He's got good ball skills you know very fast um, Mike Hilton was the other guy we got he was my favorite signing and yeah, plus he already knows that offense pretty well you know he could probably gives some insight you know on that offense on that Steelers offense true going in you know Hilton's a in my opinion probably the best slot corner in the league as of now if you, if you remember the year before we got Mackenzie Alexander who was at that time the one of the best slot corners in the league and he turned out very good for us you know
1: oh he had a phenomenal um, year and Dean that he signed yeah. with the Vikings for like one mil. I, I've said this on previous podcasts because he's <laughs> he's been my boy, but he signed for one point one million with the Vikings. Now, wouldn't that have served us well to pay him similar money, even if he's going to be the four or five with everyone running all these multiple sets?
0: Still, I, I mean, I can't believe we got him for that for for what we got him for. Just insane, and then we get then we get Hilton for like a bag of chips, you know.
1: Yeah, and then with the other defensive backs, you, I mean Eli Apple. I know he's you never you know you don't know what you're getting with him. But
0: yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy, but I think he could he's kind of like a boomer bust kind of deal, you know. I mean he I think he, I believe he was a first round uh, pick, so I think he was a very I'm not gonna say he's he's definitely he's had his moments where he, that man's burnt toast. He's also had his moments where he uh, he's he's all over the field, you know. He, so he has flashes. So I think it depends on whether one he fits in our system. And two, if we can coach them up pretty well. The coaching is huge. I mean, people don't really realize that, you know how big coaching, I mean, you you could be a fantastic player, be put like with a poorly coached system. you know, you could be a completely different player unless you're like generational, like you know, Saquon or Mahomes, you know what I mean? But like your average your average NFL player needs some good coaching
1: and it makes and sense. I, think... I mean, look at there's two teams, I mean, two of them that are our rivals, like well obviously the Patriots, great coaching. They always seem to turn out good players. It's it's also a matter of like being a good teacher, not just X's and O's, but being able yep. to teach guys technique. And on, unfortunately, the Steelers are very good at that as well.
0: They are, unfortunately, they are. But like you, you but like you, people know it. You know, I mean, Mike Hilton, I bet you, I like. I bet you, if you talk to any Steelers fan, you, they could tell you Mike Hilton was very well coached there. I mean, when when Mike Hilton went to Pittsburgh, you know, he wasn't known as any as any threat, you know, in that defense. And then the second he left Pittsburgh, you know, look at him; he's like the best slot corner in the league. You know, yeah, true. Um, that's that's due to great coaching. mean, Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach. You know, I, I hate the guy, but he's a fantastic coach.
1: And I'm going yeah. to agree on on both of those points. All right, you know what? Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. So I was a big proponent in the off season of getting more offensive linemen. And we didn't really do that much. I mean, we, we signed Riley Reef, which a lot of fans feel is a, is a really big move, and then we yep. signed Quentin Spain. What what are your thoughts on what we did offensively in free agency?
0: I like. I really like the uh, Riley Reef signing. I loved it because that was kind of a. I think. See, personally, I think the Bengals should have gotten more linemen. Personally, um, I think Reef Don't don't get me wrong. Reef was a fantastic signing, but that didn't fill our entire needs, like on the offensive line. You know. Reef will be a, a immediate starter at right tackle, which is great, which is a major upgrade of uh, Bobby Hart, which we got rid of. Quentin Spain, fantastic. I, I, I love Quentin Spain the second he got off of Buffalo.
1: I think he was uh, our best. great think, about Burrow. I think he was our best lineman last year, in all honesty. He was.
0: He was, and I think the Titans game, the titans Bengals game, uh, it was shown. I mean, the guy didn't let up a single pressure. Uh, the Reef, the Spain, I, I love Trey Hopkins. You know, I mean, we, he's, he's been there for a while. I, love, I like him a lot. Left tackle with Jonah Williams, and then you got left guard. I, I, left guard's kind of a toss-up now, but obviously we got Jackson Carmen in the uh, draft. I mean, our line in general, post free agency, I'd say it's a major upgrade from last year. I mean, last year, I mean, we had we still had heart. I mean, Suofilo got injured, I believe. We were we were pretty banged up last year, and um, people don't really realize that. People are just you know, especially the media, are they're, they're the first ones to go after saying oh burrow's gonna be dead you know next year but but like post free agency i mean you got to look at it and be like that's a major like we completely just revamped our old line for the most part you know yeah but... I mean, we didn't get a stud like sewell you know but we if you look at like the pieces we have now you know compared to last year i mean i think it's a big especially the first half of last year where we didn't have spain and we were still on that like 2019 offensive line just completely different line in my opinion
1: I think the line is going to be improved, but it's going to depend on two things, in my opinion. One, the health of Jonah Williams, if he can stay yep. healthy and continue to, to grow as a player. And two, we're going to have to see how Jackson Carmen pans out, because he is going to end up being, I, I'm, I'm assuming, right guard at this point. But, yeah, you know, we'll see where, Carmen, it, where it falls.
0: Yeah, Carmen is a, Carmen's an interesting one. Carmen, I'm glad. See, when we first got Carmen in the draft in the second round, I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't upset because it was a lineman, but I was surprised. I think we reached a little bit. I think most people could agree with that. I'm glad that we got a guy that, for one, he protected Lawrence for three years. I mean, regardless of how good he was, he still protected him for three years. You know, I mean, he was he was Lawrence's blindside. You know, I mean, he was. I, I liked him. He was great. I mean, if you look at the film, I and mean, he was good.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the plan to see what Pollock can do with these guys. Um, what do you how are you feeling about Jamar Chase? Oh, fuck.
0: My God, Chase—he was so he was my he was my favorite. I think he was he was who I wanted this entire time. Or we it was the, I obviously I know you know, but like the Sewell and Chase train, you know. I mean, who who's going to be Sewell, Chase? And then occasionally there would be like you know, and we might get picks, but let's be honest, we knew we were not going to get pits, You know, Atlanta was all over that. My God, it was either Chase or Sewell. and I was on the I was on Team Chase. I always was. Only because we needed a true number one receiver on that outside. I mean, AJ. We really did because if we didn't get Chase, you know, we probably would have picked up like Terrace Marshall in the second round. He would have been pretty good. But what Chase brings that offense to a whole other level. I mean, if we got Sewell, don't, don't get me wrong, that'd be fantastic. I mean, we Sewell would immediately be our left tackle. Um, but what, getting Chase though, it just it brings that offense explosively, like just to another level you know and it's just it's with the receivers we have now especially if we can protect burrow you know my god i mean this this passing attack could be deadly you know i mean people might be looking at the Bengals offense like i mean we no one no one's gonna game plan for us because you know we're we're still it's to them you know to other other defenses we're still the what four eleven and one Bengals you know coming into town like no one's scared of us right now you know i hope i hope they keep that same energy you know
1: Oh my God! I hope that's what happens next year. I hope that we sneak up on some teams because you're right. Oh, teams, yeah. We're always going to get that disrespect. As always, oh, just the Bengals. Of
0: course, of course, because we're the Bengals. You know, until we until we prove that. See, in my opinion, that 2015 year, just looking back on I mean, it, like people really did respect us. You know, and we were like legitimately respected as a team. You know, and I don't really care what the media thinks of us. You know, I mean, I I still think. You know, I think I think we're going to be pretty decent next year, and I think people aren't going to know it until we actually prove, you know, maybe on national television. My, my hope is that Jacksonville game week four, that Thursday night game, I hope we just have a dominant game and we just show the world, you know, um, even though Lawrence is coming into town, you know, I just want to shut down Lawrence and completely obliterate them and show the world that we're not a joke.
1: And we have a shot at doing that. I mean, no matter how good or bad Lawrence is going to be, that's going to be his fourth NFL game. But then again, people yep. can argue, hey, that's only going to be Burrow's 14th. NFL game, but whatever. You you bring me to the schedule. How are you feeling about how how it looks? Have you? I, I know you've looked it over. What are you, what are you thinking about it? What are your thoughts on it?
0: I was I was a little upset with the whole, with the one prime time game. I think we could have gotten more. You know, I think uh, the Jacksonville game was great. I, I like that week four. I feel like we could have had one against Baltimore, Pittsburgh. You know, at least one divisional one. Like maybe the Browns on on Monday night or something like that. At least one more. That's the only thing I was really, like, iffy about. I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of like primetime games, you know. They get me excited. So the first half of the year is generally generally easy, I would say. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell now, you know, because teams could be good or bad. Like, we don't know with, with these teams, you know. Like, some teams could be bad last year and they could be great this year, you know.
1: Yeah, with the the first eight games, it's not the hardest part of the schedule, but but there are five road games in there
0: there is there is road games see road games we we, um we need to take that i I feel like i'm not really too worried about like the road games in general i mean obviously i'd love to be playing at home but you know we really we show our true colors on the road you know especially like games like here like in pittsburgh week three that's gonna be a big game i mean pittsburgh might not be great but if we can go if we can march into pittsburgh and and deliver a, a win you know that's huge We'll know our true colors by the – so in week see, five, six, seven. In week seven, we play in Baltimore. That's the game I kind of circled. And I'm like, listen, if we're legit, we're going to give them a run for their money. I mean, if we're a legit team, we're going to march into Baltimore. I'm not saying we're going to beat them by any means. You know, it's Baltimore. They've had our numbers for like the last three years. But if we can march into Baltimore and just shock them, give them a game, regardless if we lose by field goal. I want to march in there and give them a game because if we if we get Baltimore a game, they're gonna know we're they're, they're gonna know we're ready to play and we're legit. That's what I want. So that's the game I kind of circled on my schedule, and I was like, listen, if we can go into Baltimore week seven and give them a run for their money, that'll set the tone for the rest of the year.
1: Yep. What are your thoughts on the second half of the schedule?
0: So the I, I like the I, I like the at Raiders after the bye week. For one, I think the bye week's great. It's like smack dab in the middle. You know, we got that. I, I always love it in the middle because it kind of gives time to rest and everything. And, We've been lucky with
1: it. We always seem to get it, like, week eight, nine, ten. We always, like, year after year, I'm always pleased with where the buy is. Yeah, we get lucky
0: with that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a luck by draw. I I don't know what it is. I know, right? In Vegas, I like. Uh, I like that because I think Vegas is going to be a semi-good. I think they're going to be more of, like, an average team, I'd say. And I'd say, like, more of our level. I I think Vegas is more. uh, I think Vegas right now, you could say, is better than us but i'd say by that point of the year i think us and vegas will be about the same so i think that game is going to be a big maybe 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 playoff implication wild card game i'd say i mean it's too early to say that but that that could be a big game like for the future for like for the uh like week 17 and 18 you know i mean that game could decide a lot
1: and that's going to be like a like we were talking about earlier that's going to be like a 38 31 game i'm sure
0: yeah yeah exactly and that could very well be a that might be one of the best games of the year for us, you know that oh, that Vegas game right there. I think we're both very evenly matched as teams, you know, and coming off of that bye week, you know, with an evenly matched team right there, we we could we could completely go off, you know. And I also like the uh, LA game, December fifth. We play LA at home. That's going to be a very uh, that'll be kind of a. I get nervous about that that game because for one, we never play well against the Chargers. I don't know what it is. We just don't play well against them. Like it started off with that wild card game in 2013. Just years after that, for some reason I don't understand, we just don't play good against the Chargers. And now they got Herbert, you know, and Herbert's a stud.
1: And you know what? That's Joe Burrow's chance to like reclaim, like, hey man, I was going to be the rookie of the year until I got hurt, and then exactly. you, you kind of stole feel like my thunder. Revenge
0: rookie of the year type thing. Let's do know? it.
1: Let's let's have Burrow run all over him.
0: That would, that would be that'd be great. The old Bengals wouldn't do that. I feel like this new Bengals team could do that. You know, this new Bengals team could come out firing against LA. But then, late in the year, which I'm not crazy about, is we have the last three games of the year. We got Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland, which is not good. I, I, I'm not crazy about that.
1: I know that's but, a tough stretch, and it's at Cleveland too.
0: Yeah, hopefully, see, hopefully, I'm thinking. So, I think Cleveland will win the division, and I think Cleveland, hopefully, by that point, is resting their starters. And then, hopefully, if they're resting their starters at that point, that could, that could be good for us.
1: I was going to say now we're hoping for. Two teams to start resting players like KC week seventeen and the Browns week eighteen, but I don't want to. I don't want to have that mentality. You know, like I want to. You know, put up your best. We'll put up our best and and let's go. You know.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, just as just as worrisome Bengals fans, you know, you just you're just praying that they're that they're fucking they're they're gonna rest their starters. You know, but Agreed. you know, if we listen, if we're a legit team at that point, we could compete with them. You know, I mean. If we' were like a, if we we're kind of like a bubble seven and eight kind of eight and nine team, you know then of course then yeah we'd probably be praying for them to, to uh, rest their stars. But if we're, I think if we're a legit team at that point I think we could beat them. Yeah, I think it's the only thing I don't like about the schedule is that last three game stretch uh, with the Baltimore Casey and Cleveland not crazy about that at all. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think going back so just rewinding to the beginning of the year uh, with the Vikings and Bears, I mean, those are two very doable wins right there. I mean, we could we could be two and zero right off the bat. I think we we could definitely be the Vikings. I mean, Vikings got some great pieces. Obviously, you got Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Cousins ain't bad at all, and that defense is not uh, too shabby either. You know, but I I think I don't think they're elite to a point where they're going to shut us down. You know, I think Burrow can have a field day against them personally.
1: Not a bad first game to see on the schedule because it gives you a little optimism. And with the Bears rebuilding, even though it's a road game. You're you're right. Yes. We we could go two and zero, go into Pittsburgh, see what happens there, and then hopefully yeah. you know we take advantage of of a young Jags team, and you know we end up with like three and one, four and zero. That probably sounds crazy, but I mean at, yeah. me, at least two. Yeah, of course. Two. I mean
0: to any to any so to, to a a Bengals a Bengals fan, that doesn't sound crazy, but to like a normal NFL fan, you're like, whoa, four and zero Bengals? What? Like no, no way, you know. But uh, first, I think our for sure win. Out of the first half of the schedule until the bye week, I think, my, the, for me, the only for sure win that I think we're going to get is the Jacksonville game, personally. I just think the Jags going in. I mean, Lawrence is a stud. You know, Lawrence could very well have a field day against us. But I think the Jacksonville game will be like, kind of like our showing out game.
1: And then what happens from there? Maybe we get lucky and Rogers isn't a Packer and...
0: yeah that's what i was that's what i was saying i was like (laughs) listen i mean i was gonna say green bay could be a tough game but listen if Rogers is not there it could be a completely different Packers team, completely different so i i'm kind of i'm still holding off on the green bay game because if rogers stays and yeah i mean i would say they're favorited for sure but if he's not there I, i mean i wouldn't and we're playing at home you know right after possibly a good win against the jags you know riding off some momentum against a decimated packers team without rogers that could be very good for us
1: we go to Detroit right after that. So that's a short road trip against a team that isn't projected to have too many wins. So, you know what? That could be a good stretch, like you said.
0: That could. That could be like, that could be maybe a three game stretch until we got to play the Mighty Ravens. You know, that, for me, that's the game I'm circling, like I said earlier. You know, that's uh, the, that, that, see, like, like, like you said, like we can get that, that three game winning stretch right there. And then going into Baltimore, that's, that's a big game. If we can go into Baltimore and, and, and beat them, you know, I mean, imagine that. I mean, if we go into Baltimore and beat them, you know, that's huge. That'll listen. That turns the schedule. I mean, you can forget the Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns at the end of the year. You know, like we're. I think if we beat Baltimore, I mean, that's that's going to be huge for yeah. us, just beating, as a team.
1: Beating Baltimore you know? in Baltimore at that point in the year would be a milestone. Yeah, that would that would be the arrow would be pointing up at that point. Dean, it was great talking to you, man. How do people find you on social media?
0: Hey, great talking to you too, Frank. Um, you can so I I, I ran uh, Bengals access on Instagram for a while. Um, you know, since the Coast Guard has kind of, you know, taken control of me. I guess you could say it's kind of more of like a hobby instead of like a. You know, I'm just like I'm, I'm not like deeply committed to that page anymore. I guess you could say, um, due to like my job. Um, but I still have my personal Dean Halpin 11.
1: I love talking with you about this team, my friend.
0: <laughs> me too. All
1: right, I'll talk to you soon, man.
0: All right, Frank, you have a good
1: one. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to keep reviewing the Bengals offseason. We're going to have Sands and Tom McLeavy back, as well as another special guest. I'd like to thank @BengalsHighlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. (laughs) the unofficial Bengals podcast.